are here for another episode of the Unbalanced Note, the music podcast on the Multimedia Men Network. We are so excited to be here in Dallas, Texas. It's sunny outside, but it is cold as all shit. Cold as fuck. Yes, it is. It's the only thought we really ever have. It's, it's fuck, it's cold. It's really not that cold. Like, we're not in Iowa. No, that's true. So it's, we're just pussies. Yeah. Look at that cactus, though. It's, you should probably bring it in, right? <laughs> Did you notice, like, the very tip of it is just hanging on by a thread? Yeah. It's, dude, it's getting beat up out there. It is. Um, we are here today to talk about our main event, Credence Clearwater Revival CCR, Credence Tapes. We are very excited. We have One Minute Wonder and Music News. I'm Brian Kluger with BoomstickComics.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, everything else. And I'm here with the music maestro of Malaysia, Jacob Douglas. How are Malaysia, you, sir? Is that a socialist country? Malaysia? Probably, yeah. probably no government at all, actually. <laughs> Fucking free for all. Isn't it? Like probably. A gore, it's like a gore concert in Malaysia. Yeah. People are getting beheaded and body parts are flying everywhere. True. Alien sperm. <laughs> right? Probably. Do you think they do music in Malaysia? Oh, absolutely they do music. Good music? Probably better than the shit we have. You're probably very right. Is there like a Malaysian Post Malone? Ooh, that's something I don't know if I want to know the well, answer yeah, to. Yeah, right. Could, it's, how could it get worse than, than him? It could get worse, trust me. Could be R. Kelly. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of, could be R. Kelly. Right. Could like, be good. Yeah. Post Malone hadn't really committed a crime. Right. I don't know. We'll see. I think you're a fan. You're, I think you're secretly. Of who? Post PM. No. You called him post the other day. You just referred to him as post. I was talking about the post office. No, you said post. And po- post it notes. Posty. 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 I did? Yeah. Don't remember. Sure you did. Well, we have a good show for you today. We're very excited to be here. And we have a lot to talk about. Let's talk about a bit of unfortunate news to start us out. Woohoo! What a fucking segue. I know. Um, unfortunate news, which is uh, the death of the prodigy frontman, Keith Flint, dead at 49. If you know Prodigy, the jilted generation, smack my bitch up. Uh, Firestarter. Firestarter uh, found dead at his home yesterday morning. Uh, basically, I guess he died by suicide, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it, I, I think I remember reading it said it was suicide. Man, everybody had that fucking album with the crab on the front of it. So, interestingly enough, I actually didn't have that album. I had the Jilted Generation album with like the silver face yeah, coming face, through. Yeah. I loved that album Dude, so that, much. Prodigy is cool, man. I mean, I'm not real like electronic music isn't really my main thing. Far from it, actually. But no, they're cool. Like that, that was that was a cool group. I remember their music videos being wild as fuck. Yeah, they were really crazy, and I'm sure you've heard their music in some form or fashion. Uh, in a movie or TV show or in a commercial or anything, but yeah, the front guy, the front man, uh, Keith Flint, this is just sad because I mean nobody made music like him. Smack my bitch! Wow. Um, but yeah, that's sad. Uh, we also lost uh, Luke Perry. Um, what? Luke Perry died yesterday, as well. How? So last week he had a massive stroke. He was oh, fifty-two, I... and then he died from complications of that yesterday. 
Damn, that's unfortunate. Yeah, he was awesome. He was into pro wrestling. He was in horror movies. I think he played music. He was in eight. Well, he was nine nine oh two one oh. Correct. Okay, yeah. Huh. He was yeah, also a, in the movie. Bummer. Yeah, bummer. This man. has not gotten off to a great start. No. Can we not... talk about? Was there anyone great born yesterday? <laughs> we, we don't, don't know, know yet. yet. Fuck. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a coke. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> this day ain't going good for me. I'm gonna have a drink oh, of this amazing Ruby Redbird Shinerbach um, in honor. Is that of... the grapefruit one? Yeah, that's a grapefruit one. That's a good. I like that. That's a good beer. Damn, glug, drink, slam it, man. Ah, uh, just had a sugar you, cookie. You'd be like Elon Musk on the Joe Rogan podcast when they passed him the joint. Remember that? And he fucking all hit it awkwardly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. It's like, yeah. he hit it Elon Musk style. Yeah, he, like put, he put the burnt in in his mouth. <laughs> right? Oh, like, uh, it's funny. You drink, you just drink that beer with two hands. Yep. It's true. All right, moving on. Uh, the National have announced a new album and a film called I Am Easy to Find, and they share a new song called Listen. Uh, the, the film stars Alicia Vikander, if you remember her. She was in some Star Trek stuff. She, she's a big uh, actress, um, big into the movie stuff. But are you a fan of The National? Do you find this at when all? When I'm bummed out and like depressed, I like this band. Yeah? It doesn't get much more like... Bland and sad than these guys. It's true because even like the opening title track of this new, uh, the new album is called "You Had Your Soul with You." Yeah, does not sound like a upbeat. Well, that singer, man, the singer in that band, he gets wasted during concerts. Yeah, it's it's awesome. They're pretty. They're a really good live band, but yeah, they're very. I don't know, man. You got to be in like a certain mood to listen to that. Like if you're having a good day, don't put that on. There you go. It'll wipe you out. But if you're a fan of the National. A full-length movie? It's a short film. It's like 30 minutes long. Uh, coming May 17th. So just in time mm. for the big summertime. Interesting. So yeah, and the movie is called I Am Easy to Find. Uh, and they it's 16 songs in the album. Uh, my goodness. And they're touring. A big tour. Unfortunately, nowhere near Texas. Actually, that's not true. They're coming to Austin and Houston in September. They'll be in Houston on September 11th. Never forget. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. The National will be here in September if you want to see them. Cry it out live. Cry it out live. Cry your eyes out. There you go. Uh, in a bit of diva news, we got some diva news. Morrissey has announced his Broadway residency, playing shows at New York's Lunt Fontaine Theater in May. I have seen Morrissey three times in concert, and it's hilarious every time. Oh, well, we were talking about someone else earlier who is always notoriously late. Mm-hmm. I don't like Morrissey, man. Like, that... Oh, golly. I just can't do it. That voice just wears on me. Well, it's... Big crybaby. You think so? Yeah, man. Fucking whining through the song. and I mean, I, although I did just get done saying that I like the national. That guy kind of whines through the songs, too, but... I don't know, man. I, Morrissey's never... The Smiths, I, not really my thing. But a Vegas residency, huh? Yeah, in May. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not not in Vegas, in New York, Broadway. Oh, Broadway. Yeah, no, not Vegas. <laughs> I think people in Vegas gambling would want to kill themselves That's or something like that. I was like, why? Who 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 set that up? <laughs> that person should be terminated immediately. 
It's so funny. But yeah, uh, it's, I don't know. I, like I said, I've seen him three times and this was years ago and it was, it was interesting to see the crowd with him and how he handled the crowd because this, I think this was before like all of his, like him hating meat eaters and stuff like that. And then, but I remember one of the concerts, it was at, uh, Gillies or Southside ballroom palladium or something like that. All the same place, basically. Um, the, like some young boys ran up on stage to like, just like be with him. Kind of like that we've talked about the guy who came up in Woodstock to can't oh, eat. Oh yeah, took a, got the cigarette. Right. So I think that this guy, this kid, must have been like seventeen or eighteen or something like that, and uh, security like definitely got him off stage really quickly because Morrissey wasn't having that shit. And after he does, Morrissey in the microphone to everybody just said, "Silly boys." <laughs> there, just, enough said. Enough said. Two words is all it Yeah, it was so funny. Uh, but yeah, he's, uh, if you're in New York and you were on Broadway. What if they would have got up there and smashed him in the face with a pie? <laughs> he would have not played for the, he would never come back to Dallas. He yeah. would. He does not have a sense of humor, I yeah. doubt it. Maybe when next time he comes, we take one of those hot dog cannons. And, <laughs> right? A hot dog like cannon. He shot a hot dog into his mouth. Right? <laughs> he hates meat, right? Nothing yeah. worse than a fucking hot dog. That's like 20 kinds of meat. That, that is like 20 kinds of meat. It's all the shit no one wanted. It's, it's God, really throw it weird. in there. Make a hot dog of it. It's really weird. Um, yeah, fuck that pretentious asshole. <laughs> I mean, he's weird. Ever since I saw... Have you ever seen that uh, New York Dolls documentary about the bass player? I don't think so. And they kind of like reformed the band in it. And Morrissey is like a... He's in the documentary for some reason. Weird. Yeah, I don't draw a parallel between the. Does he know. just like them or something? Yeah, like he's he, part around the same type of. They they were holding some sort of event thing, and he was like the moderator for it or something, like the host. Morrissey. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. I was like, shouldn't Slash be up there? Or, if you know, like it, 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 I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. If if you. I Look, feel like the age old question. If you were, if you had 10 people to invite to dinner, who you would you invite? I would not invite Morrissey. He, he, he no, would cost you the whole time. And <laughs> oh, why are you eating that? Yeah, exactly. Like if I would invite the fucking Gallagher brothers from Oasis, <laughs> right? Speaking of, cause they'll fucking, they'll beat, they'll beat the shit out of each other at some point. Speaking of smashing pumpkins and noel gallagher's high flying birds have announced a tour together oh cool in north america wow that's really yeah i didn't even know that i just randomly said the OES that's great brothers. yeah the high flying birds smashing pumpkins uh i've seen the noel gallagher that band is really good they they are yeah. So they're coming to Dallas uh, August 24th at the Dos Equis Pavilion, otherwise known, always will be known as Starplex. Damn, that's going to be huge. I would totally go to that. Well, the last time the Smashing Pumpkins were here, it was at American Airlines Center. Was it? Mm-hmm. It was cool, like not too long ago, pretty recently. So yeah, August 24th. They are, they're starting in New Jersey in August and then playing just every day, basically, in August across the country. Man, we should go to that. Yeah, Dallas, uh, at Starplex, you'll get to have uh, the Smashing Pumpkins you and High Five Birds. You while the show's going on at that place. It's, uh, it's pretty badass. That could be where we could shoot the hot dog cannon up there. 
Morrissey won't be there, we though. We can get him there. We'll get, we'll get him. Hey, Morrissey, you want to yeah. come to the Smashing Pumpkins show? Yeah, they're playing New York Dolls songs. Oh. That's great. Billy Corgan, it says, Billy Corgan is one of the few contemporary rock stars the Oasis loudmouth hasn't outwardly criticized, though he did once bash Arcade Fire's lengthy reflector LP. Man, I'm, you know what? I'm actually... It's funny that you just said that, because I was sitting here thinking, like, man, the Smashing Pumpkins and Oasis probably couldn't have been, been more different. Right, and they were at the same time. Correct, and the yeah, those fucking Gallagher brothers fucking bashed everyone. They they, they would straight, they, they would fucking go like, yeah, we're fucking better than the Beatles. Like, we're we're Oasis. We're we're, fucking, we're Oasis. Yeah, we're gonna take over the world. We're Man, better Chester. than they. So they just said all this off the wall shit, but yeah, they like bashed. <laughs> they bashed all their contemporaries. That's pretty funny. Blur. I think he had a fucking go at. Blur. I like Liam, the other brother. Right. He, that guy, <laughs> he's my hero. It's funny. Him and Larry David. Larry David. Yeah. Who are your spirit animals? Liam Gallagher and Larry David. Interesting. Because those are two people that just... One is just so oblivious to reality and doesn't give a fuck. Uh-huh. And then, then, then you got Larry, who just embraces everything. Right. Like, everything oh. is a joke. <laughs> So my my spirit animals is the comedian from The Watchmen. Oh, okay. Yeah. He thinks everything's a joke. Yeah, totally. Uh, Joey Ryan, the wrestler who wrestles with his dick. R. Kelly. <laughs> and then uh, Melvin Udall for the character Jack Nicholson plays in As Good As It Gets. <laughs> because and where? In As Good As It Gets, the movie with Jack Nicholson. Oh, his character is Melvin Udall. Yeah. So uh, he, his character is amazing because he just doesn't take any shit. He says exactly what's on his mind no yeah. matter what. And it's so funny. Next time you're fucking around on YouTube, just type in just type in Liam Gallagher compilation. Yeah. Oh, it's, you'll die laughing. <laughs> I mean, they fucking... There's one where he's like supposed to be reading a children's book to some kids. Yeah. And it just is off the rails. <laughs> Why the hell these pages got to be like, uh, oh, that's funny. That's oh, good. He's, yeah, they're good. Well, that'll be cool. Smashing Pumpkins and High Flying Birds. There you go. I wonder if there's a third band. Uh, not that I see right now. Um, I don't know if they'll have somebody open up for them. But yeah, they are starting in New Jersey and making their way all the way to California in the span of one month. There you go. Rock band doing some Two rock shit. Two of those shows will be in uh, Texas, Houston, and Dallas. So there you go. Um, let's, another bit of news. I don't have it pulled up, but I know it came out, and we have to talk about it. Um, the Jonas Brothers are back together for a new album. Why, after. Do we, why do we have to talk about this? I don't know. Do you like Jonas Brothers? Do they do music well? What I do you think? I wish had a video feed right now. No, <laughs> of you looking at me like, why? What? I want to smash these cookies. Don't smash the cookies? No, why would we want to talk about that? The Jonas Brothers. They were a very popular band several years ago, and now they're finally coming back after they're all married, basically. Hmm. Doing music. Do you call it music? But you do. Oh, it, it is technically music. There's, there's a video online where like one of those brothers is playing the guitar. Uh-huh. It just... There's like a solo that comes up and he's supposed to crush it and it just <laughs> it's like it, just, it, it nose dives. Oh yeah, it didn't even get off the ground. It's horrible. Interesting. Like you ever seen the video of Lil Wayne playing guitar or like skateboarding? No. It's pathetic. It is like the the most pathetic thing you could ever see. <laughs> I'm serious. Like it, it it's just it's baffling. That's weird. 
Um, moving on. So we've talked about Michael Jackson and the documentary coming out a few times. So that documentary was released. Oprah did an HBO show about like about the documentary. And but uh, what does that mean though? Like, did she? She's like picking it apart. I think picking it apart because she it, she did like that huge interview with Michael Jackson yeah, a long I time ago, that. and I think he, they've been he, friends. Did he only want to talk to her. Like no, he said, I'll do the interview, but it's got to be with Oprah. Well, no, he so he did the interview with Oprah, and then he did that other interview with Martin Bashir. Oh, but yeah. he had his own documentary crew, and then after the Bashir thing, heavily edited one, he released like behind the scenes of Martin Bashir saying like, Oh, you're the best father. This is great. This is amazing. Like, it's really weird. But so Oprah did that. But interestingly enough and funny enough during when they just released this documentary, that supposedly just a very one-sided account, only interviewing the two people that claim to be molested by Michael Jackson, the Michael Jackson's estate, Release the concert film live in Burquest, uh, Bucharest, the Dangerous Tour, which HBO released when it came out live back in the mid 90s. And it was like HBO's biggest thing they ever did. Uh, but it, it's amazing. Like the stage and everything was amazing. So they, they released that there, uh, which is cool because it hasn't been on there in forever. You can only, only place you can find that is bootleg DVD or YouTube. The Slash come out in that? Um, the Slash, no, Slash came out at the MTV movie, an MTV Music Awards in 1995 when he did the, when he did the compilation medley yeah. and then Slash came out and he just kept playing the guitar and yeah. Michael's trying to get him off. Uh, and it was like, get a, him off the stage. Yeah. Get him off the stage. But it was a work that was like K-Fob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it, it was interesting. So I haven't watched it. I'm going to try to watch it for next week so we can talk about it. So, because I'm going in because I... Wait, you're going to watch the Oprah one or the... I'm going to watch both. Leaving Neverland. No, I'm going to watch both. I want to watch. I got to watch it. Yeah, no, let's watch it. Let's watch it together. I, I think I got to watch that on my own. Why? Well, because I'll talk through the whole thing. That's if fine. i with you. I'll go, look at your fucking favorite idiot person now. Mm-mm. Touching those boys with his butt, butt cheeks. <laughs> right? No, oh, no. Yeah, I would. I could, I'm telling you, you wouldn't want to watch it with me. You'll cry. I'll make you cry during mm. it. We'll see. Look at your hero now. It's uh, the Jackson estate has been adamantly against leaving Neverland since it premiered at Sundance earlier well, this would, year. Who would be for that? Last month, the estate filed a hundred million dollar lawsuit against HBO after its acquisition of the rights to the docu- documentary. Damn, it's crazy that they went ahead and released it. You know what I mean? It's like, right. are they going to make a hundred million dollars off of it? Well, it's it's a documentary. There's nothing to do with Michael Jackson, and it. it's just interviewing these two kids. So I don't I don't see like yeah, the but case it's called there. Leaving Neverland. But you can call something. I don't think Michael Jackson had Neverland copyrighted. I bet he did. Fuck, he stole all those. You remember when he, McCartney told him about like publishing? Yeah, and then Michael did the the Beatles thing. It was a dick move, but business move too. But not a good friend move for sure. No. Um, So that was that. Uh, Moving on to a really awesome... uh, You know, it's crazy that we fucking... Live in a time now where we talk about Ted Bundy tapes, the R. Kelly fucking <clears throat> Lifetime series, and the Neverland Ranch fucking documentary. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, we should be a talking about do. sci-fi and I like Star it. Wars. Well, st- speaking of sci-fi, uh, Mondo. If you listen to our horror podcast a few weeks ago, we had the head dudes that do all the Mondo. 
soundtracks. They were on our podcast the entire time. One of my questions to them, what can you give us? What can you tell us that's coming out? And I was like, please tell me it's Buffy, the Vampire Slayer musical episode. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, yes, that's it. And uh, it is like definitely official. They, I guess they released a press release today. But we heard it first here on the Multimedia Med Network. You guessed it even. Uh, yes. Once More with Feeling soundtrack comes with liner notes from series creator Joss Whedon. It's the first time it'll be on vinyl. It has been on CD, but it'll release March 20th at Mondo. Tease.com on 180-gram cover art by Paul Mann. Uh, it looks like a great gatefold album. Comes with a playbill and everything, or a sleigh bill, as you could call it. And it has all the songs from the episode, all written and done by Joss Whedon. Very cool. Very excited about this. I've been dying to have this on vinyl for so long. You better go on and order it. I'm going to go order it. Pre-order it. Pre-order it. Pre-hold. Pre-hold. Um, is there any other music you want to talk about before we get into our question? I like. I w- I'm ready for the question because I don't even know the question. I forgot to tell it to you. Yeah, you never do. So our music question, our unbalanced question of the day, music related. Uh, we answer a, que- a fun question about music and we bring it to the Reddit message boards and we ask our audience. The question today is: If you could get two musicians together to make an album together, who would it be and why? Oh my. God, that's like fucking endless right there. <laughs> wow. That's a good that's a good question. So my answer was I would really would have wanted at some point in time Tom Waits and Michael Jackson to collaborate on a record together. Their unique skills could have made an amazing album that had meaning and a lot of like really pop soul to it. And I just think like, cause I think like specifically of Filipino box spring hog off mule variations of Tom Waits and then having like a Michael Jackson element or even Michael Jackson's horror background into Tom Waits stuff would be even cooler. I don't know. That's a, you could have all kinds of wacky combinations. I don't know. I am uh, I am very cool. Uh, is there something outside? No. Okay, I thought I heard something. I did too, but there's no one out there. Okay, it's a ghost. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what I kind of wanted. I think that would be pretty badass. Um, we didn't get too many comments on this because for, for some reason, I do the same thing on our horror podcast, my bloody podcast, and we get tons of responses. And this, on the music one, most people I think just want to, listen to the YouTube music on this Reddit. So we have to find another subreddit to post questions to, but um, we got a few answers, but do you have one, Jacob? I'm thinking, I'm like, I can't even answer this question actually. Okay. So uh, from Reddit, uh, Feichel the Wise or Peichel the Wise says, Sid Barrett and Frank Zappa, it would either be an epic masterpiece or complete nonsense, but either way it would be interesting. Yeah, that would be a good one. You like that? The Hendrix, like Hendrix and Miles Davis were supposed to do an album together, but then Hendrix died. Correct. That would be one I would have wanted to. Like, that would be badass. Yeah. That Jesus. would be my answer. That would, that's my answer. Uh, Cosmologic Numeric says Eminem and Big L, if he was still alive. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Plaza One says Robbie Williams and Jimmy Page because they already live next door to each other and it would hopefully help to resolve their planning dispute. Have you heard about this? I ha- So Robbie seeks to build a new swimming pool, which Jimmy believes will compromise the foundations and structural integrity of his tower house. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, he, like, that's funny. Wants to, it, the pool is like massive. Like, really? Oh, yeah. It's just... It, God, I mean that those are real problems to have right there. Jimmy Page is mad because his neighbor wants to build a pool. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> but I read an article too that said that Robbie Williams was like he was throwing parties and stuff and he was blasting out like uh, uh like he was playing things that were like the opposite of Zeppelin from the seventies. Like he was cranking like classic rock of band everyone but Zeppelin. Yeah. Like to fuck I don't know if it was true or not, but I I read that article. I thought it was pretty funny. So what about what do you think about like Jay Z and Lincoln Park? Do you think that was a good mashup? No, no, <laughs> they did a song together, right? They did a whole album together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was well, that was rap rock. That was like that was the thing then. Like, so kind of like Jimmy Page and Puff, Puff Daddy. Daddy. Yeah, but they uh, were just too soon. Too soon. Okay, you know, people weren't ready for it. Nobody came with for them. the Godzilla movie. <laughs> The Matthew Broderick lizard movie. That's the worst fucking movie. One of the worst movies ever. It was because they built the the marketing for that movie was so good. Yeah, and then it just it was such a terrible film. Uh, Oh well. I remember seeing all the stuff like it looked the image the yeah like you said the advertising and stuff for it, it looked like it was it, this movie should have been killer yeah because like i remember on all the like the big like dart buses and greyhound buses they would say like godzilla's toes as big as this bus or something like that yeah, yeah. and but then you saw the movie and you're like oh man what a piece of shit yeah it is a piece of shit and then that song come with me you know which puff daddy went kind of hard rock with it i remember when they played on saturday night live together yeah i mean one of those that's one of those magical moments in music history. <laughs> Puffman and Jimmy Page. Puffman. I what do you so like I just want Tom Waits to like work with a lot of people, really, is what it boils down to. I think he'll want to work with anyone though. But he Oh, excuse me. What he were has, some of the other answers? That was it. Two answers. Three answers. Fuck you people on the internet. So it's weird because so I posted the, this question the same time I posted the horror question last night, like late last night, and we had only over 45 comments for the horror one. I just think it's this this subreddit. I think it's us. Of no, it's a subreddit of music. Nobody everybody I think is just watching YouTube videos that people post and not that's doing discussions. People, that's, what, that's what I do on the internet. Okay. Comment here and there, but I'm watching YouTube. Okay, so who would Kitch- you? I'm watching Kitchen Nightmares. Who would you want Ghost to play with? Brian Wilson. Oh shit! <laughs> See, that's a great answer. Yeah, Brian Wilson and Ghost. I, I, I try to think of people that are not similar. Like, like if you had Ghost play with like Blue Oyster Cult, like it's it's the same, but right. but Blue Oyster Cult and like Elton John. Something like that, yeah. I think Brian Wilson Ghost would be cool. That'd be a real good one. That would be. Do you think Daniel Johnson <laughs> Ghost? I think Daniel Johnson actually think it's the devil. Dude, Daniel Johnson needs to team up with the electric chair and get it over with. <laughs> Fucking uh, no, I don't want to, him and Wesley Willis could collaborate together. Hmm. All right. You you know Wesley Willis is. Wait, who's Wesley Willis? It's a big. Black guy that had a little like 
uh, radio keyboard type thing and he'd turn it on and it would have this like really generic like doom, 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 doom. It had this beat, it had this beat and then he would just randomly go the cow took a shit in the front yard I like McDonald's wow jerked the camel off that's basically like it was almost just, him yeah yeah it's weird like you've never heard Wesley Willis not that I remember man you got to check him out that's good stuff do you think what about like Willie Nelson and Ghost or Willie Nelson and Iron Maiden no nah, Willie would have Willie would be good teamed up with like like Bruce like Springsteen? Harry, like Harry Nielsen. But they're, uh, yeah, they're different styles, but, but they're very soft spoken. Right, but like, if, like Harry Nielsen did the music, and then Willie like sang, you know? Right. I don't know, there's a lot of probably good ones. What about Billy Ray Cyrus and uh, Jay-Z? That'd be a good one. They could remake Achy Breaky Hearts? Achy Breaky, Breaky Bank Account. <laughs> <laughs> People would listen to like, it. And they'd buy it. Hey, did you see that photo that Billy Ray Cyrus got in a bunch of trouble for? No. You got to Google it. Okay. It's his wife, like, standing in front of this, like, walk-in safe. And I think they said there's, like, 20 pounds of pot in it. Like, his wife's holding this fucking huge... Mm-hmm. Billy Ray Cyrus slammed for marijuana photo. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, like, legal everywhere look, now. Click it. No, look, the amount... The, the, it, I want to be friends with Billy Ray now. Because when you see the size of the safe, like his wife. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Right? Literally garbage bags full yeah. of weed. Yeah, she's holding, like, this is the photo of her holding one? It's not holding. She's, like, presenting it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, like, the bag is, like, the size of her torso. Yeah, no, no, they're like they're like clear garbage bags. Yeah. It's insane. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen that we can how do you think that's like ten pounds of marijuana? Oh, Which that's way more than ten pounds of marijuana. There's it, I mean, okay, look. Go back, scroll back up real quick. Like that bag right there, uh huh. Probably weighs eight pounds, I bet. Like just Jesus. that one. Jesus. Because you gotta think, like, if you just took like a nugget out of that. That's like 20 bucks, right? Right. That's a huge fucking bag. No, that's And they're like four deep in Do you think that's like $10,000 a bag? Probably I don't more than that, I bet. I mean, there comes a time like how often are you going to smoke? Well, that's what I'm saying though. That I think Or are they selling? That's what that's what I think it is because why would you even want to have I wouldn't even want that. But much it's legal pot. to sell it. They might have a uh, haberdashery, a dispensary, haberdashery. <laughs> oh, gee, Willikers. Well, I guess it couldn't. It's airtight in there. I would just think it would go. You know, you got. You can't smoke that much pot. Look at that. No, it's insane. It's a. That's what crazy. does the caption say though? I remember it. Says he said. He says yes. Like I said yesterday, how my how the times they are a changing. Yeah. And. I, of course they are. It's becoming legal. I mean, I'm telling you, if weed becomes legal nationally the best thing to invest in are weed stocks like you you will make a million dollars overnight probably yeah weed stocks is the way to go corporate corporate drugs man no if you think that i'm crazy if you invest in all the pharma companies you're making billions of dollars weed's better for you weed is better for everybody but yeah, no, I had no idea that yeah, is that's unbelievably a great, that's a great crazy. Photo, right. I mean, 
art. <laughs> Does like T Pain have this? <laughs> Dude, that's like straight up next level. I mean, that's yeah. A- so like the safe is taller than his wife, and probably goes way far back. But it's I mean it's a giant. I mean, it's, it's probably an eight foot safe that goes far back, and it's just it's all that's in there are these giant bags of marijuana plants, nuggets, nuggets. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, would that be like a good stocking stuffer? Dude, that would be so like the Monopoly game we play. Right. That would be in the middle of the board. <laughs> the middle of the yeah. board. Graham, Graham, With a million bucks. Graham yeah, here Price, we go. Billy Ray's weed safe. Jesus. And do you think that's his only stash? Absolutely not. Dude, he's he's got Miley Cyrus money now. Like think about think about that for a minute. He was already kicking ass. And why are people bashing him? Because for his this? fan his fan base like Baseball players, right? Like, you can't smoke weed at a baseball game. Like, people will turn on... I've tried it, and people are like... They look at you like you're crazy, but you could get blackout drunk and, like, go home and, you know, beat up your significant other, and they're cool with that. But if, like, you smoke pot, uh uh-uh, that's drugs. That's crazy. So his fan base is obviously very anti-drug. Which, I bet you they're not. They just want to act like they are. No, I bet they are. It's weird. It's weird. That's great. I'm glad you showed me that. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? You got, now you got newfound respect for old Kentucky waterfall Billy Ray Cyrus. It's so funny. Like people are commenting, like think about all the people arrested for like two pounds of pot. Yeah, <laughs> then you got Billy Ray Cyrus like with a fucking houseful of it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, good for him. Yeah. Get it while it's hot, man. Is there any more, or more news before we move into our one-hit wonder? I'm ready for that. Which is local to Dallas again. That's right. He is. From, I forgot He's that. from he Plano. Here. From Plano. Rob, Robert Van Winkle. <laughs> That's his name. It is Robert Van Winkle, otherwise known as Vanilla Ice. Uh, the, fourth, the fifth turtle. The fifth, the fifth turtle. Right? Ninja. Remember? Ninja. Rap. yeah paint by numbers hip-hop that's what this is jesus uh so yeah vanilla ice of course is one hit wonder ice ice baby oh my goodness so where do we even begin on this one so vanilla ice was released in 1989 um which whoa wait a minute that song is from 89 1989 wow i thought that was like that was like 30 years ago. Yeah, no, no, but I thought it was like in the mid-90s. No. Wow. MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice were 80s, along with Digital Underground. Weird. It was weird. Um, so it was based on the bass line of, of course, Queen and David Bowie's hit, Under Pressure, who did not initially receive songwriting credit or royalties until after it became a hit. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, he took, he took the song on tour in 1990 and it was on to the extreme album, which is of course his best song ever. The, the song went, uh, it sold too much. I mean, it, it was crazy. Uh, it was the first hip hop single to top the billboard hot 100 ever. It was number one. Yes. Uh, it topped the charts in Australia, Belgium, Netherlands, New Zealand, Ireland, UK, everywhere else. Every time I think of this song, 
I just think of people wearing jackets that are too big for them. Yep. And doing like the... Yeah, like... Walking backwards. Yes. Like, pump it up. Boom. Ice. Ice, Ice, baby. baby. So, Robert Van Winkle... Uh, There's a Suge Knight connection here. There is. Uh, Say Jaden Vanilla Ice. He said he wrote Ice Ice Baby in 1983 at the age of 16, basing its lyrics upon his experiences in South Florida. The lyrics describe a shooting in Van Winkle's rhyming skills. The chorus of Ice Ice Baby originates from the signature chant of the National African American Fraternity Alpha Phi Alpha. Of the songs, Lawrence Van Winkle stated in a 2001 interview that if you released Ice Ice Baby today, it would fit in today's lyrical uh, respect among peers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but no, no, it wouldn't because it, the first lyric of that song is Ice is back with the brand new invention. Right? Yeah, brand new invention. Yeah. yeah. Who, that doesn't fit in now. No one who... Something grabs a hold of me tightly, falls like a harpoon daily and nightly. And like, yeah, what the fuck's like a that, harpoon? Yeah, but what does that have... That, who, Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. Yeah, I don't understand the, the comment he made then about how it would be Well, wrong. also, this he did that in 2001, so there's been 18 years since then. Yeah, even more strange. So This is a baffling one who wonder. Again, from uh, Queen and David Bowie, they did not uh, receive credit or royalties. They should have got all and the money In that, 1990, so. when the song came out, I, Vanilla Ice said the two melodies were slightly different because he added an additional note on the end of the fourth beat. Uh, yeah, remember he. It's like and a, it was it, so instead of like ding ding ding, ding 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 dink, it was ding 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 dink. <laughs> no, then yeah. there was a hit. At yeah, the end. and that was it. Between odd number and subsequent even numbered iterations of the under pressure. So in later interviews, of course, he was like, "Yes, we sampled the song," uh, and he tried to backtrack, saying that his statement about it not being the same was a joke. But of course, he didn't want to give money to them. Correct. Well, he wrote the song. I mean, he created the beat. Right. So representatives for Queen and Bowie. He told, uh, they should have got all the money from that. I mean, you listen to that and it's embarrassing. It's like, really funny. How he got away with it. Yeah. Well, they threatened copyright infringement uh, and then he settled out of court with them. So uh, with him required to pay financial uh, stuff to both of their artists. And they also received songwriting credit for the sample, but he did have to play pay the back pay yeah. from what he already did. So he did do that. So yeah, there you go. But didn't like Suge Knight hold him over the fucking a ledge in a hotel room or something, like on the twentieth floor? I'd have to look, but um I'll look into his history, but also, Ice Ice Baby describes himself as the first rapper to cross into the pop market. That I yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean hell, like it went number one. Yep. So there was it had to have been a crossover appeal. It's crazy. Um, I the that, music video for the hair and the fucking lines in his head. Yes, I had the lines when no, I was young. You I did. No, you right me. there. I had two or three lines. I have pictures of that somewhere. Shame on you, Brian. <laughs> when a disc jockey named David Morales played Ice Ice Baby instead of the single's A-side, which was play that funky music, the song gained more more success uh, for that. Um, the, the music video, Ice Ice Baby, which is also looks like is not great, but it was made for eight grand. Um, 
the video was financed by the, his manager at the time, Tommy Kwan, and shot on the roof of a warehouse in Dallas, Texas. Uh, so, yeah, the music video was shot in Dallas. So it's uh, pretty, pretty funny. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. I don't really remember the video. So now, like, the, I mean, the movie, or I mean, not the movie, the the song is played everywhere. Oh, it's it's every sporting event, right? Uh, it made number one. It sold tons of albums uh, all over the place. It's it's been in movies. I th- I think it was in his terrible movie, Cool as Ice. It, well, I would hope so. Uh, but yeah, it's been featured in movies and TV shows and all sorts of stuff. Um, so so good. It is kind of an incredible moment there, isn't it? It's insane. It's insane. He, he led Zeppelin. He, he's like Led Zeppelin. Okay, here you go. Following the song success, California rapper Mario Chocolate Johnson, an associate of record producer Suge Knight, claimed that he had helped in writing the song and had received no credit or royalties. Knight and two bodyguards arrived at the Palm in West Hollywood where Van Winkle was eating. After shoving Van Winkle's bodyguards aside, Knight and his own bodyguards sat down in front of Van Winkle, staring at him before finally asking, How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Similar incidents were repeated on several occasions before Knight showed up at Van Winkle's suite on the 15th floor of the Bell Age Hotel, accompanied by Johnson and a member of the Los Angeles Raiders. According to Van Winkle, Knight took him out on the balcony by himself and implied that he would throw him over unless he signed the rights to the song over tonight. Yeah, I knew something wacky happened. Dude, Suge Knight's insane. I'm so glad he's in jail. <laughs> he, didn't he, like, faint when they told him he was in there for life? Yes. Fucking chump. Uh, it's so funny, but yeah, that's crazy. I mean... I thought he held him over the ledge. No, I guess, like, threatened to do it. Yeah. I'd sign it. I'd go, what you, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah. Uh, one person you wouldn't want to fuck with. So, interestingly enough, you know, later on, you know, in the early to mid-2000s, Oh, he did the metal version. Of yeah, it. so That's Vanilla right. Ice went heavy metal, made a heavy metal album, and then re-released Ice Ice Baby as a heavy metal cover. Like mostly, instead of like Ice Ice Baby, he would go Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that, and it wasn't like terrible either. Oh, no, it was terrible. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Easy. Okay, you reel it in here, Brian. That was not. There's good. an acapella mix to this Ice Ice Baby. It's really weird. This is one of those songs that's perplexing. It's because uh, it's every because I mean you you think about it and you're like okay I remember it from my childhood we were all dancing to it and when it comes on like at a party you're like oh yeah you, it's like one of those songs oh, yeah. not necessarily you might dance to but like you stop and you sing it just kind of like Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme song you're always like oh yeah you gotta sing it. Hey. This is a story about yeah. hell, but it's like same thing with Ice Ice Baby. You're just like, oh shit, I gotta sing this. Ice, ice. Yeah, well, it's catchy, too cold, man. too cold. Yeah, it's, it's it's catchy. And unfortunately, hard to escape once that thing comes on. You're yeah, in. you're in, sucked in. And like, of course, like he did in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part Two, the movie Secret of Ooze. He was actually in the movie doing a concert. The Turtles danced to the song, but he plays ninja rap, which wasn't a huge hit, but it was still like, go ninja, go ninja, go ninja, ninja rap, which at the time in those early 90s, you're just like, oh shit, this was our... Who was the target market for those songs? I mean, suburban uh, white kids. Yes. 
There you go. I mean, that's what it was. Mission accomplished. <laughs> you know what? They, they did it. So VH1 and Blender ranked Ice Ice Baby fifth on the list of the 50 most awesomely bad songs ever. It was also given the distinction by the Houston press as being the worst song ever to come from Texas. <laughs> they said it's the worst song. Yeah. Which I don't get. Like, I don't think it's like, it's like a terrible song. No, there's, there's certainly worse. I mean, I, I, I agree. Do any bowling for soup song. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> Worst oh, song from Texas. It, it, it's definitely not Ice Ice Baby. No, no way. Uh, damn good stuff. It, it's a big deal. People that still do it. I like it. Um, Ice Ice Baby, Vanilla Ice, whatever you're doing now, we just. I guess we kind of wanted. No, I know. I know. I know exactly. He's what doing he's a doing. house like he a has ha- a renovation. Yeah, a renovation show. Uh, yeah, a reality show or something. In I think he's in Florida. He might be. Yeah, I think he is. I know he's associated. He's played with MC Hammer, Public Enemy, and Insane Clown Posse. Oh, dude, he he played at the Gathering. Yes. Really. <laughs> metal ice like metal. He must have. Yeah. That's great, though. On January 1st, 2017, Vanilla Ice was invited by Insane Clown Posse to take pace, take part in the free concert, the Juggalo March on Washington. <laughs> Is that when they said that they were like a gang? Yes. Yeah, so the government said Juggalos were a gang and they were like coming out like, no, we're not. <laughs> and then they threw a free concert and had Vanilla Ice play. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty great. Stupendous. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that's Ice Ice Babies. Good stuff, man. Yeah, that's not the worst song from Texas, though. It's not. It's not. To the extreme, if you remember the album cover. I remember he's just standing there looking tough as shit. With an uh, oversized jacket yeah, on. his mom's blouse on. <laughs> <laughs> right? Look at that. His pants are heavily starched. Like they're, they're uh, he's got parachute pants. It sold 15 million copies worldwide. 15? Yeah. Fucking A, man. <laughs> and that's no internet. That's no, no computers. And if you remember on that same album, he played Satisfaction. He, he did Satisfaction, which Mick Jagger and Keith Richard did as well. They, he covers that Satisfaction, song? yeah. Oh, my God, really? I got to listen to that on the way home then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's so good. This so, goodness gracious. It's uh, unbelievable. I guess Japanese people didn't like it because it only went to number 60 at their charts in Japan. That's weird. And under that, it's like all like in the teens. The Asians what? weren't having No, they, they were not. They knew something back then. I guess they didn't like the song Play That Funky Music, White Boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Can't relate. There you go. All right, on to our main event. Credence, Clearwater, Revival, CCR, Credence, a band that started in 1967. Went to 1972, only had a few albums, but legendary musicians, Tom Fogarty, Doug Clifford, Stu Cook, and John Fogarty, uh, the, the Fogarty brothers, Tom and John, who may or may not be friends right now. One's I'm, dead. Well, they might still be friends. No, from beyond the grave. <laughs> and so if, you, if you've ever listened to them, 
you would heard, think if like if, you've, if you've heard one song you've heard them all heard them all uh but like you would like oh shit these guys are like right off the swamp in new orleans deep south but no they're actually from the west side the west coast california, california. They, they but like queen or like brian johnson like freddie mercury brian johnson uh, John Fogarty had like an insanely distinguishable voice. Like yeah. nobody else has that. Don't you think? Well, and that sound, like that right. swampy fucking right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, cool. These guys were. I mean, it's weird. This band. Sometimes I really, really like them, and then then I don't really like them at all. Because it does sometimes sound like one big song to me. Like, all the songs kind of sound the same. Right. But, man, Bad Moon Rising, like, that song kicks ass. They're all good. Especially in fucking American Werewolf and, like, that scene where he changes in that song right. playing. Yeah. So fucking good. It is great. It's it's interesting because, so... Fortunate Son, Fortunate Son in, like, every Vietnam movie ever. Like, right. That song is always placed at the proper Yeah, spot. Vietnam, you hear, you yeah, hear them. Fucking kicks ass. Well, because of the lyrics. Right. Well, I it, don't have to go to war because my fucking... My dad's a fucking politician. Correct. It's it's interesting. The it's And it's also one of, like, a rare case of all the band members meeting in junior high, like in sixth grade in California. And they started a band, all the original guys called the blue velvets and the trio, they were a trio playing like usual instrumental stuff or like, you know, jukebox popular stuff at the time where, uh, Fogarty's older brother, Tom was, uh, in the recording studio or at the live gigs, uh, doing backing stuff. So, Tom joined the band in 1964 uh, and they were on an independent jazz label in San Francisco and they were doing like jazz stuff and other things because they did a lot of instrumental stuff back then and they went from being called the Blue Velvets to the Gollywogs. The Gollywogs. The Gollywogs. So uh, interestingly enough, the... the uh, their instruments changed where Stu switched from piano to bass guitar and Tom uh, from lead vocals to rhythm guitar. And then John became the band's lead vocalist and primary songwriter. So, and I think they all realized when John Fogarty, like his sound is very different from everybody else. He oh, needs yeah. to fucking sing. Totally. So, because it, it almost seems like he has a speech impediment. Like when he sings. Yeah. And it's just like what he, he does. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, he's just got cool lyrics. Uh, so I guess uh, John and Doug were drafted to go to the war for Vietnam. Of course, they came back. Um, but they did their stuff. And then I guess from like 1969 on is when they had their biggest success. Do they? Yeah, I mean... Every album, like, you know every single song on there. You're like, that's a hit, that's a hit, that's a hit. They're like the fucking Beatles. It's, I... Uh, like traveling... So, in a traveling band. Do you think, but do you think, like, can you compare them in a way to, like, something like ACDC where their sound never changed? No, it, well, they, their sound kind of changed a little bit. But, but not like, like, Beatles. No, like, no, no, they, no. they... Well, they knew the formula. Like, they went, this is working. Why would we jump off of it? And then, because then when they broke, like they broke up, like when John 
left or however the hell they tell that story, how it went down, because then they become Credence Clearwater Revisited. Right. With no John Fogarty. Correct. And then John Fogarty continued to sound like John Fogarty and CCR. You know, because he had the sound. Right. He's the guy with the sound. And there was like a whole... He got sued. Sued. John Fogarty couldn't play John Fogarty music. Well, they said that like he wrote a song that sounded like an existing CCR song. Right. They said it sounded too similar. (laughs) But you're like, I wrote this song. Yeah, Yeah, if you watch the footage of him talking about it, he's like... It was just... It was one of the weirdest things that happened to me because I would just go to court and go, well... You know, I wrote this song in 1968. Yeah. And this is how I write songs. So I just wrote this one in 1986. Right. Like, I craft them the same way. Right. And this is what I sound like. Yes. Like, I'm not going to try to sound like Pavarotti. Like, I sound like this. I don't know how, what else you want me to sound like. It's right. weird. That's one of those really weird, like, how did that happen type things. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so in 1968, uh, they really gained popularity by covering two songs, Susie Q and J- Screamin' Jay Hawkins, I Put a Spell on You, because Credence put their their little, their their aura on this, their, their special sauce on these songs. And you could hear in your head, like, Susie Q... And I put a spell on I can't even I wish I could sing like him. I always wanted to know what the hell chugalin means. Chugalin? I don't even know what chugalin is. Because he says that in a bunch of their songs. Keep on chugalin. Keep on chugging? Keep on trucking? I guess chugalin? some chugalin, I don't know. yes. Interesting. I um, love uh, fucking Have You Ever Seen the Rain? God, have that you, song is it's, so fucking good. It is great. So their their discography, their studio album, so their first their first album, which was released in 1968, um, was self-titled, self-titled Credence Clearwater Revival. And on it, of course, we, the two big songs, I Put a Spell on You and Suzy Q. It got them out. But then their second album released uh, not even a year later. Is that Cosmos Factory? Uh, Bayou Country. Oh, 1969, only like eight months later. Uh, released their new music and it was Born on the Bayou, Good Golly Miss Molly, and Proud Mary, which P- Proud Mary was their big hit on that. Uh, and then the song Keep on Chugalin was on that yeah, album as go, well. Yeah. But after that, that that album went in, uh, I mean, that sold a ton. That's like, holy shit, who are these new people? Wait, is Green River on that one? Uh, Green River is not on that one. Bootleg, Graveyard Train, Penthouse Popper, and Keep on Chugalin. Uh, Green River must be on Willie and the Po' Boys. No. So that was our second album. And then Green River came out in August of 1969, the same year that Bayou Country came out. It hit number one. And you know why that hit number one, because Green River was on it. Bad Moon Rising, Lodi, and the Night Time is the Right Time came out. Uh, Damn, they just... They were hit that, machine, I'm telling you, they were a fucking hit machine. And they were making records like every eight months, and then Willie and the Poor Boys released... Well, they only used three. three months later, after Green River, went number three, and of course that has Down on the Corner, It Came Out of the Sky, Cottonfield's Fortunate Son, The Midnight Special, which is 
you know, amazing since it was in the Twilight Zone movie. Don't Effigy is on there too. I'm telling you, that's the best CCR song. Effigy is the last song because a lot of their songs, their last song on the album is usually longer. But yeah, Effigy. Uh, Booker T. Jones, Donald Duck Dunn was on that album. Uh, good Some God. studio heavyweights right there, man. Some good session players. Yeah, and then Cosmos Factory was in 1970. <laughs> Uh, which you have traveling band looking out my back door up around the bend. I heard it through the grapevine, which there. I hate it. I hate it. Hoid. The, which that song, you know, based on Marvin Gaye's, this song is like twelve minutes long. No, it's yeah, it's they, like they're in a God of Devita. Yeah, they just couldn't get enough of it. They also have Run Through the Jungle on there. That's a fucking awesome song. Yeah. So so. Th- so after that, they did Pendulum again in 1970. They're releasing albums like within like four or five months of each other. That's how people used to do it. Right. So in that album, you have Have You Ever Seen the Rain and Hey Tonight, Molina, Chameleon, Pagan Baby. In uh, their last studio album called Mardi Gras, which, of course, it's Mardi Gras. It's Fat Tuesday today we're recording. Hey, it, it worked out. It did work out. Wow, how, that's freakish. Whoa. <laughs> Mardi Gras, tonight, Mardi Gras, Creedence Clearwater, Revival. Uh, their last album had songs like Someday Never Comes, Hello Mary Lou, Sweet Hitchhiker. And that was only the three the three guys in the band. Yeah, no uh, John. No, 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 no Tom. Oh, Tom has died. Yeah, yeah, how did he die? Tom died. Uh, I'm looking that up because I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. A motorcycle accident or something? Dude beefs it on a motorcycle. Tom Fogarty uh, died in 1990. Oh, I thought he died in the 70s. No, he died in 1990. Where? Okay. I wonder what uh, the real question then is why did he At some point in the 1980s, after moving to Scottsdale, Arizona, he underwent surgery for his back. An unscreened blood transfusion caused him to be infected with HIV. It led to his death. Officially of tuberculosis. Golly. Who? That is not a good way to go. Yikes! It's unfortunate. That is very unfortunate. Why did he leave the band though? Like why? I thought. See, I thought that's when he. I thought he died in the seventies. No. So in 1968, the band was again renamed to Credence. John became the full-time lead singer. Um, and Tom sang background vocals and wrote songs, but only one of his songs from when CCR was named The Gillawogs was recorded and put on CCR. The lack of vocal and songwriting opportunity, along with festering longstanding animosity with his brother, led him to leave the band in 1971. Man, it's got to be tough to be in a band with your brother. I don't even get along with my brother, and we're not even in a band. Man, no, you had a brother. I have an older brother. There you go. So, I mean, that's unfortunate because, I mean... When you have a brother kind of like John Fogarty, and you're just like, I just want to help that guy out. Yeah. Well, it's like the kinks. Right. Like, someone has to be... That's kind of the catch with, like, a band. Like, in Ghost, you have the guy. You know what I mean? Journey, there's Steve Perry and the other dudes. People can't name them. So there's always... With a band, there's always a face. Like, there's a front. There's a main person. Someone has to take on more of it. Right, but see, like, in a case like ACDC or Beatles, they have, they're, they're all great because they all knew their role and they all fucking, like, shined out. Like, you know, Brian Johnson, the lead singer, getting it ready, but shit, Angus Young's over there shredding it on guitar and being his own thing. Yeah. He's not, like, pissed off about it. 
Yeah, but you, you don't know anyone else in the band. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's... That's why it's got to be difficult being in a band with a family member. Like, even more so than just normal, being in a band with normal people. Did the Bacon Brothers do well? <laughs> I, I was watching this thing the other day on Amazon, though, about electric guitar, and Kevin Bacon is the host of it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I saw Bacon Brothers play live at wildflower festival years ago yeah in like the late 90s one of them's like a real good harmonica player right i don't remember if that's kevin or not i know bruce willis plays harmonica steven seagal plays guitar too (laughs) steven seagal just goes through life going off the rails now it's really funny damn well that's that's crazy about tom fogarty he i know he did some solo albums and stuff um. Yeah. And do you so, remember do, when John Fogerty in the eighties he had the guitar that was like a baseball bat? Yes. He had the center center right. field. Yeah. It could be center field. I think that's the song he got sued over. Really? For sounding too much like himself. It might be. It was a hit. But so they only made a few albums up until the early seventies. But why did they break up? Do you know? Fucking six albums in. Four years or something like that. So uh, uh, it looks like John Fogarty just was, he he was like not getting along with any of the bandmates at all. And just, I guess he was a diva? I don't know. Might have been. I mean, I wonder who wrote the songs though. I bet all these say Fogarty. But yeah, the uh, his sick. next major hit was Center Field and it, was, it topped the charts. But... Uh, Fogarty suffered complaints over a steadfast refusal to perform CCR songs uh, at concerts, which, of course, like you would want to play those, right? Well, that, but you also want to just keep writing music. So, look, on this, on this album right here, the, the Chronicle, yeah. the Greatest Hits, with the exception of the covers, every single song on here was written by John Fogarty. No, no other, no other band member's name is mentioned. And he wrote it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And they're so good. But that's what I'm saying, though. He probably just went, man, fuck it. I'm gonna go solo because he's already doing all the music. He wrote all of that, which is crazy. Well, I mean, he fucking found. I mean, can you imagine? I mean. Releasing three albums in one year. Three great albums. In yeah, one like, I mean, you're constantly in the studio and constantly writing, not doing anything else. Yeah. I guess, shit. Workhorse, man. People didn't have all the distractions they had they have now back then. Um, interestingly enough, uh, on February 19th, 1987, at the Palomino Club in Los Angeles, Fogarty broke his self-imposed 1972 band on performing CCR hits. Bob Dylan and George Harrison joined him on stage. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty badass right there. Well, I don't think he could also because I don't think he owned the name somehow because that's how they carried on without him when they did Creedence Clearwater Revisited. Well, he, it is a, it's a different name, of course. Right. Yeah. But that's I think there was a legal tie up too of why for some crazy reason he couldn't perform those songs. But well. That guy there, seems like he's getting in some legal hoopla. Well, there was something like it, he he was being sued for playing 
Fogarty stuff. Like he would no, it was something on his album that he sound too much like yeah. Fogarty himself. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Right. Like, yeah. He went well. I I wrote these songs. Well, and it was like the sound too. It's like you like you're suing me for sounding like myself. Exactly. I sung these songs, and now you're saying that I can't sound like myself. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's what he told him. That's exactly. He must have pissed off some people. No, he's got lawyers involved, man. You know how it is. We need to get Warren on the show. He'll <laughs> he'll, 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 he'll go. He, he'll go. Jacob is correct. You get a bunch of people involved that really don't need to be involved i guess like people get greedy and that's a lot of fucking money yeah you know how much money these guys fucking made a shit ton uh, yeah they are uh they're they're still weep they're still weep they're, they're stu- still chugling still chugling uh is there a band today like credence clearwater that very first kings of leon album that came out they kind of sounded like early ccr but what happened they sold out, I guess. I don't know. No one could really sound like these guys. I feel like they could. No, nah, no way. They had these guys had such a cool, unique sound. Like they're like the kind of the American version of the Beatles. It see, I'm surprised there hasn't been like a big like movie made about them. No, nah, they probably never will be. Really? Yeah, I mean, I don't really think they like the Beach Boys have a more interesting story. Because there's more individual like characters involved, whereas this is like a main guy and some some helpers. You know what I mean? They didn't have a fucking Brian Wilson, a Michael Love, a Freddie Mercury. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just I don't know. I. Do you know they played at Woodstock? Credence. Yeah. yeah, but they're definitely not on the no, movie. But it, yeah, it's finally getting released though. Yeah, for like the, what is it? The sixtieth year. Something like that. Because I have the fiftieth one, and it's still. I mean, I want the whole thing. Yeah, because legal. I don't think legally that whatever contract they had signed, they weren't allowed to be in the video. Right. There's right. a couple of artists like that on there that just never were in the film. Correct. Correct. But Mountain. like every every year, like every like anniversary edition, they do they add like a second disc where they add some of the stuff on it. I have the 50th one. I brought like the commemorative set of it. Yeah. Uh, the Blu-ray and it's amazing. Are I love watching gonna it. Are they release a Wayne stock documentary? <laughs> <laughs> See, Mike Myers not doing shit. Yeah. Release Wayne. Wayne stock behind be the scenes. Oh, Van Halen. Oh, Van Halen's gonna be there? Aerosmith. <laughs> I think Garth, Garth the whole time is just like, oh. <laughs> Excuse me. I'd like to get by now. Uh, Wayne Stock. So yeah, Credence CCR. They're they're damn good. Kick ass, guys. man. Southern. CCR rules. And Can you compare them to like Leonard Skinner or Almond Brothers or anything no, like that? No, because maybe Skinner a little bit, but there were Skinner had a little more like depth of like songwriting. These guys were just you know two and a half minute radio songs, but okay. they were they were fucking effective. But they were also. You know, CCR was in 67. Skinner started firing off in 73. Like, music had changed. Right, you know, like right. Things got a little heavier. and You know, the, the CCR stuff, like, when you look at, like, listen to Green River, that song's two and a half minutes. Yeah. You know? But a lot of their songs were two to three and a half minutes. Well, except the, yeah, if you wanted them played on the radio in the 60s, right. you couldn't have them be any longer than that. But on each album, one or two songs were over eight minutes oh, yeah. to 12 minutes. Yeah, totally. That's very Grateful Dead-like. Yeah, but they're not really jamming, though. Like, no, they, they, they have a point. Kind of hanging out, <laughs> notes, hanging out notes and stuff. 
what what what's their how would you describe their sound? Fucking sound like the swamp, man. Like they sound like like with very like they sound like where the fucking water boy lived in the movie. Yeah, you could have a the, the sound wa- for that water house. boy. Yeah. yeah, in like with like piercing guitar strings. Oh yeah, real bright. They wrote a lot of like in major key stuff, so all their songs kind of sounded they're upbeat. You know, they're so being a guitar player. What's their guitar style like? Is it hard to play? What no, do you this, think? those are very easy songs to play. They're just, they're like it's like Tom Petty. Like Tom Petty just wrote great songs. They're not technically hard to play, but to pull them off like in a performance, like to play them live, that's the trick. Same with CCR. He's not trying to reinvent the fucking guitar. He's just writing cool songs. He's not trying to be the best guitar player. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to be the best band. Have you ever covered any of their stuff? I know a bunch of CCR songs. I mean, like I said, it's like ZZ Top. If you learn one, you know eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like ACDC. It's right. the same, like, it's the same thing. Like, all these all these CCR songs are in the key of E. I wonder what happened wherever, because, it like, they met in junior high and were a band, and then, you know, six albums later, you know, within the span of, like, three or four years, they were, they couldn't yeah, stand well, each other. Exactly. All the fucking, they became really successful, and then, Money fucked it up? Dude, money changes people. You know that. I just feel like you'd be like, there's enough for everybody, shit. They fucking all got paid. I mean, I'm oh, sure No, of they, course they did. They ain't hurting. Would you... Does Do any of them still tour? God, how old is John? John Fogarty? He's got to be like 70-something. Well, so are the Stones. He's 73. Yeah. And he's. St- I guess he's still doing his shit. Present, yeah. My goodness. He signed a new recording contract with BMG Rights Management, which will cover an upcoming album in, in his solo catalog. He did an album a few years ago that's badass. So uh, 2013 wrote a song for everyone. Yeah, that's it. And it's got like a bunch of uh, guests like Dave Grohl. Fortunate Son with the Foo Fighters, Almost Saturday Night with Keith Urban, Loder- Lodi with Shane Fogarty, and Tyler Fogarty. It must be his son's. Bad Moon Rising with the Zach Brown Band. Wrote a song for everyone with Tom Morello and Miranda Lambert. Morning Jacket. Kid God, Rock, Mar- Born on the Bayou. Miranda S- Lambert and Tom Morello? Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, Brad Paisley, Alan Jackson, and and Alan Toussaint and Rebirth Brashman playing Proud Mary. Shit, I gotta get this. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, wrote a song for everyone. So, yeah, I need to check that out. But, yeah. The the Fogarty's. It's an interesting name. Centerfield. Uh anything else about Credence? They're, the I wonder if the Lebowski ever found his his, his tapes. Yeah. His Credence they tapes. They got him working in doubles. Do you think I mean I wonder if Credence was uh I mean I guess so since they had their song in there, but it's just funny to hear like in the movie the dude hates like I fu- no, he hates the Eagles. Hate the Eagles yeah. He hates the Eagles, but he loves Credence. I wouldn't hold out for the Credence tapes. And it feels like that's what the dude would listen to. Right? CCR? Yeah. Totally. Like 
that's not music to speed to. You just kind of coast down the road, you know? Right. Um, John Fogarty also refused to perform with the two other members of CCR oh, at the, the Rock ni- and Roll Hall of Fame? In 1993. I, 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 remember, I knew that happened. Which is weird. Dude, the guy's a dick. I mean, why not, though? Like, you didn't write <laughs> Green River. Yeah, but once you're like, we're making so many great songs, let's fucking do it again. It work like that, man. Like... That's why I always tell you, like, I'm having band problems. There's always something. Yeah. It's hard to get people, like, unless you all share the same vision and you get it. Uh Uh-huh. It's real hard to be a fucking good band like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of work. That's just... And then you got to remember, these guys were touring in the 60s. Yeah. Traveling on the road then wasn't what it was like now. Like vehicles and transporting equipment, it was a new thing. Right, it was like so that's a taxing a fucking, bus and something else. It's a yeah, taxing lifestyle, you know. Anyway, right. But especially then, it was like they're in un- uncharted waters. You know, no one had fucking touring life was kind of a new thing. Not just playing in your hometown right. or around the state. No, they're damn good. Yeah, they kicked ass. Credence, Clearwater, Revival. Or Credence. Lodi. Get their albums. Get all. They only, only got five. <laughs> it won't break the bank. It, it will not break the bank. You're not buying the Zappa collection. It's 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 good stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with some good stuff. We are the Unbalanced Note. I'm Brian Kluger. We're on Boomstick Comics. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Uh, of course, we're going to be back next week with some good stuff. Maybe Def Leppard. We haven't done Def Leppard yet. I love Def Leppard. We can do Hysteria here. We'll get hysterical here with Hysteria. And Jacob Douglas, thank you as always. They can find you on Instagram. Where at now? Still the same. No, no one. I don't get followers from this. I don't want them. Scrum Lessons. Scrum True Lessons. Scrum True Lessons. You know what? If I get, I need anyone out there, just follow me on Instagram, please. My life is so tough. Yep, he needs it. I need followers. He's got dogs to feed. I do have dogs to feed. (laughs) That's a new. That's a a new thing. Well, no, it's getting up and taking them outside at like two in the morning when it's like three degrees outside. It's nine degrees outside. So we'll be back next week. This unbalanced note. Follow us. Love us. We love you. We'll be back.